Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Good, good. Got room to move about the cabin now a little bit. It's good. Well, it's great to see all of you. Merry Christmas. I hope you were able to have some time with some family and, and friends or whatever, pets, whatever it is you do for Christmas. We hope you did have a great one, and I know that we did and enjoyed it. It was good to see many of you for our Christmas Eve services. Uh, it was great to have you there as well. Um, as you know, we're coming towards the end of the year here. Uh, if you didn't know, surprise, uh, you got a couple days left. So it's, but 2020 is closing down pretty quick. Anybody disappointed about that? I mean, any, everybody's just like, I think probably this is the first time ever, everybody's just like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's, let's turn the, the calendar here and get to the next year. It's been quite a ride. Um, I do want to take just a quick moment to just welcome everybody online as well. Thanks for tuning in. And, but as, as we come to the end of the, a year, especially a year like 2020, as, as a pastor, and especially when you, you're preaching the, the last message of the year, so to speak, you really kind of just go to God and like, God, what in the world, especially with 2020, like what in the world do I preach today? <laughs> Where do we even look? And, and so today I, I want to bring a message, and I believe it's what God has for us today, uh, entitled Better Together. And, and the idea really is looking back a touch, but more looking into next year. You know, it's kind of this preparation, isn't it? As we come towards the end of the year, especially, you know, this year we're, we're coming to that anticipation of what next year holds. And looking back, though, I, I have to say God has been faithful throughout this time, throughout this year. This church has done a lot. And, you know, as many of you know, I stepped in in April uh, as a senior pastor, and what a time to come in. But uh, we are standing here today by God's grace, and I tell you, as, as we look back, it doesn't seem like it, but we've done a lot of things. In spite of everything with COVID, in spite of all the, the restrictions and things like that, we have been able to do so much to reach our community, to, to be out there, to be engaged, and you know, it's, it's just such a testimony to God's faithfulness, and you know, we really appreciate, as Pastor Tony mentioned, the end of your giving. We thank you for your faithfulness there because it allows us to do what we need to do to be able to reach those uh, that, that need to hear the gospel, but also that just needs a, a loving hand, right, that needs help, that we can just put our arm around and say, you know, well, socially distanced arm around, but we can just say to them, you know what, we're here for you, and we'll journey with you, and we'll, we'll go through this together. Um, and that's really what it is to follow Christ, isn't it? It's not always that our situation changes, but it's the promise that, that Jesus will walk with us through the fire, so to speak. And so that's, that's really what we want to do as the body of Christ, as the church, is to walk together. And so as we, we look ahead, and again, we're going to get into um, Romans chapter 12 today a little bit, and the idea of being better together, better together, and that's, that's what really the theme that we're going to be going for and what the, the topic is today for this message. I want to read a quote to you today from a book. Has anybody ever read the book Radical by David Platt? Okay, listen, I highly recommend that you never read this book. Okay, <laughs> that was kind of a joke. But it was, this book will ruin you. It will ruin you in, the, in, in a good way. It is, it is something that just, it's like every page, you know those, those, those books that kind of just keep just hitting you right in the face, right between the eyes, you know, what's being said, you read it, and you're just like, 
My goodness. I mean, if I, if I could thumb through this and hold my mic, you would see like all kinds of highlights and arrows and everything else because it was just, there's so much good stuff. But it will, it will mess you up a little bit when you read it because it's just like, wow. Because in the Western church, in the Western world here, in, in the Western church, you know, we, we see things differently. And if we're not careful, we, we lose perspective of the church as a whole. And that's what's really great about this book is that it really shows us uh, some, some other areas of the church in, in the world. And so I just want to read uh, a little bit here, a couple paragraphs as we begin our time together. And he says, he writes this, he says, Imagine all the blinds closed on the windows of a dimly lit room. Twenty leaders from different churches in the area sat in a circle on the floor with their Bibles open. Some of them had sweat on their foreheads after walking for miles to get there. Others were dirty from the dust in the villages from which they had set out on their bikes early that morning. They had gathered in secret. They had intentionally come to this place at different times throughout the morning so as to not draw attention to the meeting that was occurring. They believed in a country in Asia where it is illegal for them, sorry, they lived in a country in Asia where it is illegal for them to gather like this. If caught, they could lose their land, their jobs, their families, or their lives. I listened as they began sharing stories of what God was doing in their churches. One man sat in the corner. He had a strong frame, and he served as the head of security, so to speak. Whenever a knock was heard at the door or a noise was made outside the window, everyone in the room would freeze in tension as this brother would go to make sure everything was okay. As he spoke, his tough appearance soon revealed a tender heart. Some of the people in my church have been pulled away by a cult, he said. This particular cult is known for kidnapping believers, taking them to isolated locations, and torturing them. Brothers and sisters, having their tongues cut out of their mouths is not uncommon. As he shared about the dangers his church members were facing, tears welled up in his eyes. I am hurting, he said, and I need God's grace to lead my church through these attacks. A woman on the other side of the room spoke up next. Some of the members in my church were recently confronted by government officials, she continued. They threatened their families, saying that if they, do not, if they did not stop gathering to study the Bible, they were going to lose everything they had. She asked for prayer, saying, I need to know how to lead my church to follow Christ, even when it costs them everything. As I looked around the room, I saw that everyone was now in tears. The struggles expressed by this brother and sister were not isolated. They all looked at one another and said, we need to pray. Immediately, they went to their knees, and with their faces on the ground, they began to cry out to God. Their prayers were marked less by grandiose theological language and more by heartfelt praise and pleading. Oh God, thank you for loving us. Oh God, we need you. Jesus, we give our lives to you and for you. Jesus, we trust in you. They audibly wept before God as one leader after another prayed. After about an hour, the room drew to a silence, and they rose from the floor. Humbled by what I had just been a part of, I saw puddles of tears in a circle around the room. It's a very sobering passage, isn't it? It's a very sobering picture that, that we see there take place. And during times of challenge in the body of Christ, and, and as you, know, you see, these people are facing this every single day, 
Those times of challenge are really what push or should push the body of Christ together. They should, it should bring us together. We need each other. You have something to offer the body of Christ. So oftentimes in our, our Western culture, we can get into the consumer mindset where we approach a church as, what can the church do for me? What programs, what can this church offer me? But the reality is, you bring something to the church. Why is the church called the body of Christ? We have many parts. People have different uh, things that they bring. They have different giftings that they bring. And we all need to be together. We all need to work together if we're going to see the body of Christ function the way it's intended. You see, in this account here, they recognized the importance of gathering together and praying. Even in the midst of adversity, even in the midst where their lives were literally threatened, they chose to gather together because they needed to be with one another. They needed to gather together and also to pray. And it is so important that we do that as a church. They gathered together in that room, one, to be with one another, but also they needed God to meet them there in that place. And it's challenging to me because, you know, when I come to church so often, there's, there's so much to do. We're, you know, we want, maybe you want to see somebody or you want to do something or you're looking for one aspect of the service or maybe the amazing coffee we serve out of the Keurig. You know, whatever the reason is that you come to the church, if it's anything short of an expectation of God to meet us and to meet you, then we really need to pause, don't we? We can sit there and, and worship and we're singing our songs and, you know, man, the, the, the worship team was on, on key today. You know, their pitch was perfect and it was great transitions. And no, that's not the idea. That's what I love about this account here and just these raw prayers, right? As Pastor Tony was saying, you know, to pray like us and, and to pray through Scripture. And that's good and there's times for that and it's, it's a perfect thing to do. But then there's those times when you, what I like to call the ugly prayers, Right? When you ain't got much of anything in the tank, you're just like, God, help me. <laughs> you know? Lord, help me. God, I need you in this moment, right? I don't have time for all the formalities. It's, it's like, you know, how you would approach, like, your father or mother when, when everything's falling apart. You know, greetings, fair mother and most holy father. How are you today? It's a pleasure to be in your presence. I need you to save me from going off this cliff. You know? No, you're just like, help! Right? That's, that's what we need sometimes. And these people gather together here, and they're literally, I mean, this image of tears, literally a circle of tears. That's what the, the, the title is of that chapter, that portion. Because they're just weeping on the floor, and they're just crying out to God with all their heart and all that's in them. And when is the last time that we did that as a church? When's the last time that we needed to do that? You see, we have so much here, and there's nothing wrong with what we have. We have a structure, and we can come and go as we please, and we can gather together, and we're comfortable. But we still need to prepare ourselves, and I really you know, believe and take it or leave it, but I think there is a time coming where we're going to be crying out, and we're going to be praying prayers like that. God help us. God help us. And we are going to not just need ourselves. 
in our personal relationship with God. We're going to need each other. We were not designed to walk this earth alone. We were not designed to walk this out. And all, you know, we need Jesus. We need Jesus to walk with us, and he promises to do so. But why did he give us relationships with other people? We need that, don't we? We need that. We can't just live our lives completely isolated from the rest of the world. And so I want us to look as we prepare, again, to springboard into 2021. I want us to do so with this idea and and, and with this in full picture that we need each other. The church, the body of Christ, we need to be together. We are better together. And so if you have your Bibles there, uh, Romans chapter 12, I invite you to turn there. Um, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation today. And we're going to begin right there in verse 1. It also should be up on the screen as well, so you can, you can follow along there. <clears throat> and it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest, and some translations say use sober judgment. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. God, I thank you for the word of God. God, I thank you that we didn't have to gather together in secret today, that we could come into this place, Lord God, and, and, and practice our freedoms, Lord, and, and, and celebrate together uh, just how good you are, Lord, especially during this season. And uh, Lord, the giving, giving of your son, Jesus Christ. God, what a gift. And so we're thankful that we are able to gather together. God, I pray that our hearts are prepared to hear your word today. God, I pray you would just speak to us today. And God, that we would leave this place different than when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here we have, uh, there's quite a bit here. And, you know, one of the things uh, there at the beginning is that we are, again, living, supposed to be living a living and holy sacrifice, right? That means God, are these bodies, what we have, what God has given us, we are supposed to give that to God. And, you know, I love that, that, that part of verse 3. You know, Don't you think you are better than you really are? <laughs> it's, it's this idea, this thought of, you know, we oftentimes can maybe sell ourselves short, but we also don't want to get too high either. And understanding, and that's why, you know, when we started this time together, and the first, one of the first things I said was that you are a valuable. You are valuable. You're made in the image of God. God has given you gifts for the body, and we need each other. And in verse 5 there, where that, that, those two words where it says each other, in a lot of translations it says one another. One another. And that comes 
from the original word elion, and it's used 100 times in 94 New Testament verses. This, this idea of one another. So we can probably safe bet to say that it's probably a pretty important theme throughout the New Testament, right? This idea of, of one another. You know, 47 of those verses, they provide instruction to the church, and one-third of the one another's deal with this idea of unity. We must be united, church, together. And I believe that one of the greatest enemies of the church is disunity. Disunity. You know, it, what's, what's the you know, denomination above your door, so to speak? I call things, there's closed hand and open hand. The things that are closed hand, you know, Jesus, who he, who he is and was, died on the cross for our sin, those things to me are the essentials. Those are closed hand. And believe it or not, most denominations, we believe the same. But we always want to get into arguments, right, on the peripheral things that really have not an eternal value. Or, you know, God forbid, like a, a color of the carpet or something like that, and pretty soon we have to split and make a new denomination that only uses, you know, seafoam green and fuchsia for the colors in the church, right? But you laugh, but some churches have started for far less than that, right? <laughs> we need unity in the church. We need unity. And so this idea of one another is, is, is key to, the, to the, the church and to our mission. There's an old proverb, not from Proverbs in the Bible, but there's an old proverb that says this. When you run alone, you run fast. When you run together, you run far. When you run alone, you run fast. When you run together, you run far. Now, do I have any runners in here? Okay. Any runners other than when there's a fire or something? Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> That's about the only time I want to run. Fire or the police are chasing me or something like that. I'm like, no. No, uh, but I was, again, in the military, they, they helped me to run. They helped me to learn to, to love that, so to speak, uh, especially with their kind words of encouragement while you're running. Um, and so, you know, I remember, though, many times early in the morning, because you have to get up early and you have to go and you have to do, you know, PT, physical training, and a great way to start the day. Um, I wish it was naturally in me to do that, but it's not. It was part of my job. But we would go, it'd be just cold. It seemed like it was always cold in the mornings. And you go out and you start your run, and it's dark. It's dark outside. And you end up like in the middle of the woods somewhere. You know, you're running down this path. But there was something about having everybody with you, you know? Like when you started to get tired or you started to feel like you were, you know, kind of fading a little bit, you know, somebody with, you know, somebody on either side of you would be, you know, come on, come on, let's go. You can do this. We're here. I'm not leaving you. You know, and then, and then it was kind of embarrassing, but if you fell out, then the whole group a lot of times would turn around and come back. And then they would circle back around and you'd be pushed into the front of the formation, basically. And so you got the whole formation behind you, which I don't know if it's, it's not really fun, but you just feel like this, you've got this new gear, right? And it would always push you further. You're like, I can do this. And you got this cheering section behind you. And it was just something about that, knowing that you were not alone. And, you know, that, that proverb really rings true, I think, in so many ways. It's, it's knowing that you're not alone. And everything that we're facing this year with COVID and, and just everything, the craziness of our world, I think that's probably one of the, the messages that we really need to hear the most, isn't it? You're not alone. You're not alone. First and foremost, and the most important thing is you have Jesus. And the second thing 
is you have the body of Christ around you. You know, as Leanne and I were, were getting back on our feet, you know, it was such a blessing when people would drop food off and, and, you know, just give an encouraging word. It was just so wonderful. And just reminded us that, you know, while we were, you know, in isolation, we weren't alone. <laughs> people were thinking about us. People were praying for us. And that's what you need, right? We need to be the body of Christ. We need to work together and remind each other that we're not alone. And so as, as we, we get in here a little further to the message here, I, I want to read from 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And I'm going to read out of the ESV. And it says this. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Our freedom, church, from sin came at a very high price. And, and oftentimes I, th I think we can sell it short if we're not careful, meaning is it easy to, you know, to accept Christ? Yeah, in a lot of ways there's nothing that you can do to buy that salvation. It's, 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 it's received by faith, Right? But don't ever think for a moment that it didn't cost something significant. You didn't have to pay it, but Jesus did. And, you know, death on a cross is horrible, but there was many things that led up to that death on a cross. He was beaten. He was whipped. You're not a whip that you see like Indiana Jones, but a whip with glass and rocks and things in it designed to rip flesh off the back. I mean, he was beaten within just a fraction of his life before he ever went to the cross. That was the price of love, and that was the price that was paid for you and for me to purchase our freedom from sin. Do you understand? When Adam and Eve fell, Sin came into the world, and we are descendants of them, so we are born into sin, and we need a Savior. And so we were purchased at a very high price. And so we don't have to think very long to realize that our debt to God is beyond what we could ever pay in this lifetime. Amen? We owe God our lives. And if God's gift of true Everlasting life is, is truly free, so to speak, in Christ Jesus. What does God expect in return? He expects us to be a living sacrifice, to give our lives to him, to be used by him as he sees fit. You see, instead of being conformed to the things of this world, we instead are supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Listen, our default in our bodies is to go against God. <laughs> Sin nature is in our flesh, right? We want it our way. We want to be comfortable. We want things now, especially in our culture, right? You come over here, you know, what do you need? If, if you're cold, put the heat on. If you're hot, put the air conditioning on. You know, if, if you're hungry, walk to your refrigerator, open the door, and there's probably some food in there. You want a cold drink? You want a hot drink? We can make it hot. What, what do you want? Because we can do it, right? Anything that our desires come up with, we can pretty much meet, can't we? 
And there's nothing wrong. Don't, don't get rid of your refrigerators. Don't say Pastor Dell said we should get rid of our refrigerators and our heating and air conditioning. Don't do that. Um, but you need to be, understand that we're constantly giving our flesh, making it comfortable. And so because of that, our flesh can kind of, the me monster inside of us can come out very quickly if we're not careful. And so we always need to be aware that that is there, and, and we need to constantly be in the Word of God. We constantly need to be gathering together because it's what keeps us focused and our eyes in the right place on Jesus, not on the things of this world. We can put so much of our time and effort, can't we, into the things of this world, to things that are fleeting, that are gone for a minute. My youngest son's not in here. I'm going to talk about him for a second. He's eight, Joshua. He's awesome. He's a great, great kid. But he's a kid. And so it's like for his birthday, which was last month, we got him this cool remote control car. Do you know where that car is at now? It's just sitting in his room. Just sitting there. Every time I go in his room, it's in the same spot. He hasn't pulled it out. It, it probably made an appearance for maybe three days, four days. You know, he had to have it. He saw it, and he's like, I, this is what I want. I, I know, and he got it, and within three or four days, it's like, on to the next thing. So, it just shows, I mean, you look at it, if you want to know how you are, look at a child. Because <laughs> they just haven't learned to filter it yet, and kind of tuck it away. But that's how we are. We want what we want, don't we? And so we've got to be so careful to make sure we're being transformed. And it begins on the inside. It begins with a renewed mind through the word of God. In verse 3 there of, of Romans chapter 12, just to kind of double back here for a moment, it said, don't, you, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest. Again, sober judgment. Use sober judgment in your evaluation of what? Yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Now, how many of us just love to take inventory of ourselves about everything that's wrong with us? How many just, just is there, yeah. You guys are, make an appointment. We'll have some counseling. I'll get you set straight. <laughs> no, I mean, most people don't want to look at, yeah, here's all the things I really, I'm really bad at that I need to improve on. You know, we can find our, the things we're good at, and I'm not saying we're not aware of them, but we just don't like to look at them, do we? For those married folks, if you need any help, your spouse would probably be more than happy to help you identify those weak areas. Amen. Yep, I knew I'd get a couple. I'm praying for you for after service, but... Yeah, no, we, we, we're, we're good at recognizing stuff in other people, aren't we? Oh, you, you need your... Here, let me get my list of everything you need to work on. But when it comes to us, like, I, th I think I'm good. I'm all right. <laughs> it's true, right? Just keep looking at me and they won't know it's you. Just, just keep looking this way. But it's true. You know, we, we, it's, it's hard, but, you know, here's Scripture. Here the Bible is telling us, again, that we have to evaluate ourselves. And our measure is not against other people, is it? So many of us come into the church and we shortchange ourselves. We're like, I could never do that. Oh, look at that person do this. Look at that person do that. Like Pastor Tony was saying, look at the way, you know, the pastor prays. The, the thing is, we are measured by the faith that God has given to us. We are measured by whatever it is that God has placed in us. 
That's what our measure is by. What do you mean, Pastor? What I'm saying is, are we being stewards of what God has given to us? Good stewards. You have something to offer the body of Christ, I promise you. Don't sell yourself short. And there is so much ministry that happens off of this platform. 99.9% of ministry happens off of this. Everybody sees this and like, well, that's where ministry happens. No, 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 no. Ministry happens typically Monday to Saturday. <laughs> you understand? There are things you can do. Those, those of you who brought us meals, that was ministry. And I am thankful that so many of you are gifted with the, the gift of cooking so well. <laughs> and it tastes good. I'm thankful because some of you can't cook. And none of you brought us a meal, and I'm thankful for that. There's a place in this church for you to do something else. And thank you for not bringing me a bad meal. It's wonderful. We all have something to offer. We all have something to bring. And God has given us, and that is what the measure is. You talk about the, the guys in the Bible with the talents, right? Where they're entrusted. What did you do with the talents I left you? That's what you're measured. You're measured against yourself, not against anyone else. So don't disqualify yourself right off the bat. You know, here at the church, there again, there's, there's many places to, to serve here, and we're going to get into some of those later, but there's many places to use your gifts, to use what God has given you. And so as, as we just take a look here, I, I want to just touch here briefly on three areas of this evaluation or sober judgment, as some translations say. The first is that we honestly evaluate each person, okay? Each of us has to evaluate ourselves, and I call this personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. You have a responsibility, not just to yourself, but to the body of Christ, to be growing and walking in the things of the Lord and, 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 and in your walk with God and, and to be getting that. Why? Because it's not just about you. Do you understand this? We, we've got to get out of this mentality like, oh, if I don't do this or if I choose to, to do this in disobedience, it's not going to hurt anybody. And I bet you there's not a person in this room here today that can look at me and say that the sin of somebody close to them never affected them. That is the biggest lie that we have been sold by the enemy. It says, this won't hurt anybody. It's, this, this, it's, it's just, just you. Nobody's going to know. But it affects people around you. Even if it comes down to the simple fact that when you walk in that door, you are filled with so much guilt and shame that you walk quietly to your chair and you sit down and you buy into the lie that I have nothing to offer the church because I can't get my act together. And you buy into the lie that you're in it alone and that you have to sit there and wrestle with that sin all by yourself. You know how sin loses its power the, mo the quickest? It's by confessing it. First to God and to somebody that you can trust. Now, don't confess your sin to everybody. <laughs> don't do it. But somebody that's a mature believer, there's something about it. If you've ever been in that position, something about saying it out loud, it breaks so much of the power of that sin. 
doesn't it? But then the enemy will be there so quick, like, oh, they'll never understand. They're going to think, they're going to look down on you. And we buy into that, and so we sit there and we, we, we struggle with this. On and on and on, because we won't turn to each other. But again, coming back to this idea of personal responsibility. You have a personal responsibility to do your part in the body of Christ. To, to be, you know, if you're, if you're a little toe, so to speak, then be a little toe with all your might in the body of Christ. Everybody needs a little toe, right? You never notice a little toe until you, you're walking through the house in the middle of the night and you catch that little toe on that corner of that whatever coffee table and then it makes its presence known really quick, doesn't it? Then you just say, amen, thank you, Jesus. That's all that comes out of your mouth, right? Yep. Thank you, Lord, for the lesson you're teaching me right now. We don't assess ourselves or others. We, when we're going through this and we are responsible, we don't assess ourselves too high or too low. All right? We don't want to think of ourselves as too much, but we also don't want to think of ourselves as too low. And that's what we're getting at, you know, this idea of I have nothing to offer. It's like, no, you do. You do have something to offer. We, we see worth in each other. We see worth that we have value. We're created in the image of God. God has put things in you for the body of Christ. And there's always a tendency to us underestimate at times the worth and value of a person if we're not careful. You know, in our performance, you know, we have a, test, a tendency to overestimate sometimes. And possibilities, we also have a, a tendency to underestimate. You know, as we look at ourselves, what could we do? What could God be calling? Listen, God is calling you to, to obedience. Do you understand that? That is the easiest thing to do. What is God putting in your heart? What has God told you to do? What do you know that you need to do? Don't try to go from here to the moon, right? Take that next step. That's all we need. That's, we need to be obedient. God will take care of the destination, we just got to worry about the next step and what God has said and told us to do and be faithful. Personal responsibility. The second area of evaluation is we honestly evaluate ourselves as one body, right? As the church. This is something I call mutual accountability. And I've, I've mentioned this, this phrase before, mutual accountability, where we hold one another accountable. We hold one another accountable. We need that in our lives. And if there is somebody in this church that you know loves you and cares about you, whether it's a pastor, whether it's somebody that you pray with or somebody you know, that you know well here, and if that person chooses to come to you, like we talked about before, remember kind of the person on the outside is the one that can have the list. It's like you need help identifying. I've done this a few times. I, I don't know if I recommend it, but it needs to be the right person. But it's been good, but I go to somebody that I trust and I say, what areas do you see in my life that I, that I could grow in? You may, you may want to like sit down before they respond because if that person truly loves you, and you may have to coax them a little bit because they're typically not like, I mean, in their mind, they're ready to go. They're like, well, I can tell you, <laughs> but I want us to be friends after. <laughs> But you just need to reassure them and say, listen, I, I, I really need to, and if they care about you and they love you and they're a mature believer, they're going to let you know, well, I, I see this. I think you could really grow in this area. And what is your response going to be? Thank you. Right? It's hard. Because our, our, our default is right at the wall. We start building 
Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> no, I didn't think you were going to go there. <laughs> I thought you were going to go, you know, this way, up here. But we need to be so careful, church, not to put up these walls. We need to be accountable one to another and not be so quick to pick up a fence and take offense when somebody says something. When the pastor is preaching really good from the front and steps all over your toes, don't be offended. Just say thank you after the service. Does that work? Amen. But you need that. We need that. I need that. Just so you know, I have people in my life that can speak into my life directly. There's a few in this room, including this lovely lady here who has no problem at all stepping through that door and letting me know when there's something that needs some work. We need that in our life, though, don't we? We need it. So mutual accountability. You know, we are, we are one body, many members. Each of us, we have a different function, and thank goodness for that, right? Thank goodness for that. We all have talents to contribute to each other from our natural abilities. You were born with natural abilities. You understand? You were born. Some of us are musical. Some of us, maybe you're athletic, maybe whatever. You know, you were born with some natural things you can do. But we also, and we need to develop those, but also as Christians, when we said yes to Jesus and, and, and the Holy Spirit came in and filled us and Jesus was a part of our lives and, and now we live there, God gave us spiritual gifts as well. All right? God gave us spiritual giftings, grace gifts, if you want to call them. And from time to time, our surrender to Christ, you know, we, we, we need to surrender and understand that those giftings need a chance to function. Let me just say, it's not, pastoring is not always easy. Is it ever easy, Tony? <laughs> pastoring is not easy. It's, not, it's, it's typically not the thing that you raise your hand, like, this is what I want because it looks amazing. The benefits are incredible, and people love you never, <laughs> no, most of the time, I hope. Um, it's, it's a challenge, okay? It is a challenge to pastor. And I promise you this, there are things that God has put in me as giftings to be able to pastor, but it's not always easy to use that. When God puts something on your heart to speak to somebody, when God you know, says, you need to talk to that person about this, or you recognize something like that, you know, when God gives you something to do, and you have to be obedient, but you know it's gonna be hard, that's where it becomes challenging. And that's where the whole fear of man, you know, what, who are you going to serve? Man or God? And we need to default to God every time, don't we? We have to. But unfortunately, in my life too, there's been many times where I've chosen to not follow through and I've been so disappointed. I missed an opportunity. Maybe you're at the checkout and you know, God puts on your heart that, that, that person at the cash register to say something or to do something or maybe to pray with them. And you're like, ah, that's, that's I, don't, I don't got time. There's a bunch of people. It's, they'll probably, they don't. And I've done things like where I've walked away and then I go back, you know, and I follow through and they're like, yeah, I, actually, would you, would you pray? Would you do this? And every time, you know, God has, and I would, I, I hope the prayer always is, I would rather look like a fool for God <laughs> than to be accepted and look like a genius by the world, right? And to fit in. 
So we need to use the giftings that God has put in us as well. And the third area of evaluation is that we honestly evaluate each other participating and doing our part. And we've, we touched on it a little bit here already, but it's, it comes down to these two words, faithful stewardship, right? Just like we talked about with what God's given you, are you being faithful? Are you being a faithful steward with the things that God has placed in you? As we, we, we go on in, in chapter 12 there, continue reading, uh, beginning in verse 6, it says, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Let's kind of, we're going to just take a moment, just kind of walk through some of these. The first one, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Church, we're not, we're not, a, we're not cessationists here. There's some churches that believe there's no gifts of prophecy anymore. You know what? The word of God is, is our, this is our authority, all right? So if somebody comes up and says anything that's contrary to this, tell them, get thee behind me, Satan, right? Get back. <laughs> we don't, we're not going to buy it. But listen, I want to, let me just share from my personal life. God called me to, to ministry, to becoming a pastor, when I was about 19. It took me 20 years. I took the long road. The half the years that, you know, the children of Israel wandered the desert, so I felt like I did pretty well. But it was about 20 years, you know, I took that road. But throughout that time, it was very interesting because I had a number of people, like three people, one of which didn't know me at all. I was at some special meeting, and this person came up to me, didn't know me, prayed for me, and they said, God has called you to ministry, to full-time ministry. And you see, that's, that's, how, that's how that should work, by the way. It confirms what God is already showing you, right? And another person and another person, there were three people literally that, that confirmed the call of ministry in my life that either barely knew me or didn't know me at all. And it was encouraging for me to know that, hey, I'm not crazy. <laughs> that God is truly speaking to me and truly is calling. It was a confirmation. And so again, if there's a gift that you walk in like that, then I encourage you to walk in that. We need that. It's part of the body of Christ. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. <laughs> we need gifts of service. If you serve, then actively use your gifting, right? There are people in here, some of you in here, that is your gift, and it is beautiful. It is beautiful. I see it. And those are the people that will jump in with you. They'll do anything. And, and it's just because that's, that's their gift. And I promise you, when you see somebody walking in that gift, or if it's serving like that, anytime you use your gift, you're being blessed by it as much as you're blessing someone else. Right? Whenever I have the opportunity to, to, to pastor someone or, you know, I get the chance to pray with somebody, I get, to, I get to operate in the gifts that God's given me, it's tiring at times. But I tell you, afterwards, it's just like the best feeling. Why? Because it's like God has used you in that moment to bless someone else. And I promise you 
that it, the blessing that you receive is far greater than anything that you did. And it's almost like this, it's got to move out. It's, you can't store up and hoard your gifts because you, you just grow stagnant, right? Anybody been around stagnant water? It stinks. There's stuff growing in there. It's nasty. It's the same thing. If you're stinky and nasty and you got some funk in you, try serving. <laughs> and what you'll find, is it's just, it's just like this blessing. And it's this flow that God will bless you, and you'll be so blessed by that. Just don't serve, though, grudgingly. <laughs> and maybe you've seen this somewhere. I don't know. Maybe you've seen that in people. You know, they show up, and they're there, but they don't want to be there, and they make it pretty known pretty quick, and you're kind of like, I just wish you would have just stayed home. All right? Just don't do that. Serve with your whole heart. Serve well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If you teach, then put the truth in understandable and appealing terms. You know, we, we need people to be able to teach, especially, you know, with our, our children downstairs, with our students. You know, that is the greatest place to sow into. And let me just speak men in here as well. It's okay to work in the children's ministry. You understand that? One of the greatest absences in the children's ministry are, are men. In Kuwait, we were fortunate. We had quite a few men that served. And it was so great because some of these kids didn't have fathers or their, fathers, their, their mothers were bringing them to church. They just had like these absent dads. And so to see this man, this, a male figure, being kind, showing the love of Christ... One of the greatest challenges with the Christian faith is that because God is what? God the Father. But you look at the statistics of absent fathers, abusive fathers, and there's, it, just, it can hinder that relationship with God our Father because anytime you put that word Father to that, it brings back these memories, it brings these feelings and this animosity of hurt or pain. So we, we need that. If you can teach, then teach. Teach well. Maybe your gift is to encourage others. Then be encouraging. If you're an encourager in here or watching online, we need you. Everybody should have, or most people probably have it, but everybody needs to have that person. When you're when all of it's, you know, breaking loose and everything's going crazy south and sideways, there's that person that you can call when you're struggling, right, that's going to speak life into you, that's going to just build you up. Not like in a, you know, way, oh, you're the best, you're awesome, you're bigger than this. No, just to say, you know, God, has, he's with you and just to remind you of the good things that God has done and, and just to come alongside of you. We need those people in the body of Christ, how many would love to have more encouragers in your life? <laughs> right? Most of us look around and there's no problem somebody coming up and saying, man, you're, you're really just a worthless everything. And, you know, you don't have anything to offer. <laughs> Does anybody have trouble finding those people? <laughs> no, they always seem to find you, right? <laughs> well, you're really bad at this. It's like, well, thank, thank you. I appreciate that kind word. And those are always the people that contact me, you know. So it's... <laughs> It's amazing. It's like pastors just attract that. Like, oh, thanks. Thanks. I really, especially right after service, between services, those are my favorite times. You know, it just really puts you in the mindset to go in and preach again. You should never pick up a microphone ever again. Okay, thanks. God bless you. With syphilis. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we need encouragers. We need to encourage one another. 
and there's a gift of encouragement, all right? You know, if you are an encourager, your role in the church helps people to run farther, lift more, smile more widely, dig deeper, sleep more soundly, and reach forward with more assurance. You have a part in this church, in the body of Christ, and so I would encourage you to use it. If your gift is giving, give generously. You know, Pastor Tony mentioned earlier about the end of your giving, and again, your giving is what turns the lights on, right? I mean, there's a reality that, that happens. And, you know, you're, some of you are blessed with great jobs and you have great incomes. Um, you know what? It's, it, it's because God has given you that ability. It's because God has, has given you the, the breath in your lungs, the strength to do your job, the, the ability to comprehend, and he's blessed what you're doing. And so give generously. You can't outgive God. I promise you that. And most people that, that do really well, you'll find that they, they are givers. They can give. And then there's people that, just because you don't make a lot, doesn't mean you can't be generous. Give. God will bless you. I promise. He will. He will. And there's something about it. You know, you get around some people and, and you know, you start talking about money in the church and you can just kind of see, like, the guys start going like this and they're covering their wallets and the women kind of clinch their purses and stuff. Listen, God doesn't need your money. It's not impressive. You have the opportunity to worship God with your giving, right? You have the opportunity to worship God with your giving. We give because God first gave. He gave his son, Jesus, and you're not going to top that. And how many know, I think this year over, over any other year, Everything can change in a moment, can it? All of your things that you built up, your securities and your walls and, and the things that you thought were foundations, for many people, those things were ripped out in a moment this year. The only one that has true control over anything is God. God is sovereign over all. God has power over all. Everybody else there, the, the people, the most elite people have been affected by this, haven't they? You're not going to outrun things. And so just be generous, be a giver, and let God take, take care of you. That's where our hope and faith should be anyway, not in our money or our abilities. It's in God. If God has given you leadership ability, then take responsibility, that responsibility seriously. We need leaders in the church. We need leaders in the homes. We need leaders. But a lot of people are so hesitant to step up. But God is calling you. If he has gifted you with leadership, then we want to develop that and help you step into that. And we need that in the church. And finally, if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. Have you ever just been kind to somebody, even when they don't deserve it? Maybe let's go back to the grocery scene and that person at the checkout, you know, and they're just like, they don't even say hello to you. They're just like, blink, blink. They just start scanning. It's like a robot. Have you ever, and have you noticed too, like eye contact, especially now, like with a mat, like it just has gone down so far. And so for fun, I do things, Leanna watches me do these things sometimes, but I just do things for fun, you know? I'll just kind of get like, just kind of stare, and then when they look, you know, I'm like, hey, you're doing a great job today. And they're just kind of like, they're surprised, like they thought you were going to say, you're doing horrible, or can you go faster, or, you know, you need another hand or something. It's, 
they're, they're expecting something derogatory. Just to be kind, church, it's, it's one of the easiest things to do. And just to be kind to somebody. And you watch, when you do that, you watch, you know, what you can see of their face, you watch it light up, like, oh, you know. When you're kind, to, like, you know, when we did have waitresses or whenever you get to that point again, they, they are the, some of the, and, sorry, I don't, I'm running rabbit trails here, but, you know, you talk to a waitress or a waiter, and have you ever talked to them and heard, you know, some, some of the worst people are the church people? That's what they dread the most, is when the church people come in. Because they'll leave like a dollar tip, but, and they write, Jesus loves you or something on it. Like, you know, take that to the bank and my one dollar. <laughs> we can do better, church. We've got so much to offer and so much to give. So be kind. Be kind to people. As the musicians begin to make their way up here, you know, one illustration, if you will, a way that we can kind of just pull this all together uh, is to take a sports team, for example. We can, let's talk about football. We're kind of in, getting there, you know, at the end of the season. And I heard the Bears have a chance, right? They have a chance. So God bless all of you. The Detroit Lions just got destroyed yesterday, so we were pretty proud of that, as we always are. You know, getting ready for the draft picks. It's always next season. But... You know, in, in football, some, some play positions very well, and especially in today's football. Back in the day, you had the guys that went both ways, you know, defense and offense. And now, you know, it's very elite and very specialized, right? And, but you're not going to see, if you look at watch football, you know, you're not going to see this guy, this lineman, you know, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, you know, 365 pounds, you know, out there on the outside making a sprint down the sideline to go catch the ball, are you? I mean, maybe some trick play somewhere, but he's going to catch, if he catches the ball, you know, and he's going to just like run 10 yards and like fall out with a heart attack because he, he's just so big. You're not going to see that because you need to know where your position is. You need to know what your role is. That big offensive lineman or defensive lineman, that, they're supposed to be in the trenches. That's their spot. That's their role. And so, again, understanding that, same as a, a receiver, a wide receiver, or a running back, they have skills. They're, they've been gifted in a certain way to do certain things. Now, you have some that can play rather well in, in more than one place. You have some guys that are just athletes, right? You see these from on occasion that can play maybe multiple sports even and do really well. They're just an athlete and they can do that, but, you know, they understanding how they fit and, and, and where the best place is. You know, so some of you, maybe you can do some things really well, multiple things, but you really want to be selective, you know? I know for myself, there's, there's things that I can do well in, in multiple areas, things that I've done in the past, but now I need to know the season I'm in and, and what gifting I should be walking in the most. Some can play with competence wherever they are needed. Some have an understanding and see, you know, the bigger picture, and they can play well there. Some people in the church, they can understand and they can step in for different roles. But again, it's, it's understanding your purpose. And at the end of the day, the aim of the team, that, that, that is the, the, the game, right? The, the end game, if you will. It's, it's the team and, and winning the game, so to speak. It's functioning as a team. You know, going back to, to my you know, beloved Detroit Lions, Matt Stafford's got statistics, our quarterback, like out the window. You know, it's just crazy. But how many championships have we won? You know, it's, it's just there's zero. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me of that. In case I forgot in that brief moment. None. 
And if you talk to the quarterback, if you talk to him, he's like, I don't care about my stats. You know, they're nice to have, but if we don't win games and win championships, it really is for nothing. And here in the church, it doesn't matter if you individually are doing great in something or doing well. If we as the body of Christ are not doing well and working together and growing together and, and, and getting out and, and reaching into our community and being a blessing and meeting people where they're at, if we're not doing that, then it's really for nothing. You may have perfect attendance on Sundays, but if we as a church are not being active and we're not coming together for prayer and, and to prepare our hearts and engaging the community, then what's it for? We've got the stats, but we need the wins. Amen? So, again, at the end of the day, you need to play your position, encourage the others, don't interfere and back each other up. Talk better about each other. Encourage one another. And you may be here today asking, well, what if I don't know my position? What if I don't know my giftings? Well, here at the, the start of next year, we're going to be rolling out what we're calling next steps, and, and this is something that everybody should go through. We'll help you discover what your giftings are, what your spiritual giftings are, what God's gifted you just even in, in your natural abilities. And then we'll help you, here, well, okay, this, this, and this, this is what you've, God's given you. These are some areas that you'd be, probably do really well in. We'd love to get you plugged in. Some of you maybe want to go further, and some of you maybe want to move into some leadership, and, and we have something for that as well, DNA of a leader that we're going to be rolling out again at the start of the year. And it's, it's, it's really great. It's, it's a good program, and it's something to not just go through one time and then, like, I check the box. It's something that you can keep growing and walking in, and it can assess and, and it adjusts to you. And one of the, the key, like, the key phrases in that DNA of a leader is this, is to become privately healthy and then publicly fruitful. Privately healthy and then publicly fruitful. See, the problem a lot of times in the church is we focus so much on public fruitfulness. We focus so much on what things look like here and what we're doing, and we neglect or we don't look at the private health of the person. And if you're not sure what I'm saying here, just open the news and watch pastor after pastor after pastor after ministry leader after ministry leader after ministry leader falling morally left and right. You look at their, most of their ministries, huge public fruitfulness, at least the illusion of it. But their private lives were not, they weren't taking care of that. They were not healthy privately. And somewhere along the way, they bought into the lie of like, I cannot say something about my sin that I'm struggling with to somebody because I'll lose everything. Or what will they think of me? And that's the biggest lie the enemy wants to sell you today is that I can never say what I'm struggling with to somebody in this church because it'll ruin me. They'll never understand. But I promise you this, that there is not a sin in this world that probably somebody in this, in this room hasn't dealt with. Now you need to be wise who you share that with, you know, a pastor or a leader or somebody that's mature, a mature believer. But don't buy into that lie 
and, and make yourself an island because, again, your private health will ultimately translate to your public fruitfulness. And you can only live with that illusion for a while. I know during this time, and you know, we hear about all this isolation, right? Isolating, isolating. And we have to be wise, we have to use wisdom, but I'll tell you, church, we cannot do what we're called to do in isolation and alone. We can't. I'm thankful for technology. For all of you watching online, I am thankful that you're able to tune in today and to be, be present, if you will, in this service via online. But even in that, there are ways to stay connected to the community, to the body of Christ. But we need to be together, church. We have to do this together because together, together we are better, right? Together we are better. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you have um, just ministered to our hearts today, that you've reminded us as we bring 2022 a close and the challenges that it's brought. God, I'm thankful that we're reminded today that we are not alone. God, that you are with us, but also that we have brothers and sisters in Christ, in the body of Christ, Lord God, that we are able to, to, to walk this life out with, that we're able to do ministry with. God, I pray that you put on the people's hearts, both here in person, physically, but also those watching. God, areas in this ministry that they can begin to serve in. God, stir our hearts. Let us be generous in whatever the giftings that you've given to us. God, because as we sit on those things, they begin to spoil. As we, we do not use them, God, they, they, they just begin to grow stagnant. God, I pray that, that you will move the hearts of your people. And God, that you will, again, that we would be a church that serves with generous hearts in every area. God, show us also people outside of this church, outside of this building. God, people that just need encouragement. God, people that need to know the good news of the gospel. And God, give us the boldness, Lord, to share, to stop for a moment and to share the good news. To share why we have peace in our hearts and hope for the future. God, that it's not dictated by Washington, D.C. Or, or Springfield, Lord God, but that our hope is on you and you alone. God, thank you that we are, do not have to walk out our life here on earth alone, but that we do so with each other. God, I thank you for each person here. I thank you for each home that's represented here, Lord. And God, again, as 2020 comes to an end, Lord God. May you fill each home, Lord, with your joy, with your love, with your peace. And God, with an expectation. Give us expectation, Lord God, for 2021. Not just that it'll be better in the sense of easier or not so disruptive, but God, that you are going to do great things, that, that, that your word is going to go forth, that the gospel will go forth, and, and massive amounts of people will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that will be done through the mouths of your people, Lord. Thank you for today, Lord God. Thank you for this time. And thank you for the word that you've had to share with us today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Would you stand?